Hello to all of you out there. However you may be listening, today is November the 2nd, 2021. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. My name is Frank. His name is Alex. Feliz Dia de los Muertos, Alex. Si, si, si. Si. I've had a burning question for you for a while now. How do you feel about egg salad sandwiches? I'm pretty indifferent about them. Indifferent? <laughs> I'm, check, I'm checking in with my feelings. And... Um, egg salad sandwich incites nothing inside of me. I feel like it's a sandwich you either love or you hate, though. I, I, I don't prefer it. No? You'd go no. chicken salad over egg salad? Yes. Any day. Mm. Any day. Disagree. I Yeah, man. I don't know. Egg, hard-boiled egg texture to me, it, yes. it's not... It's not It's not the business. I'm about it, bro. I've been eating it like crazy lately. Um, just do a little mayonnaise, a little mustard, bunch of El Yucateco hot sauce, salt, pepper, garlic, bro. It's all you need. Gets you there. Well, if it gets me that swole, I might <laughs> exactly. have to change my diet. <laughs> uh, I was surprised when we were in London, bro. It's like a staple there. Like it's everywhere you go at like most carry out kind of places like that, like egg salad sandwich, any grocery store, egg salad sandwich. I'm surprised to see it anywhere. It's, I mean, it's the American dream, you know, really the world dream of a sandwich, in my opinion, at least. Eggs are everywhere. Maybe not Russia. You know, you might be on to something. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and they are. They're, I mean, what culture doesn't eat eggs? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know that it exists. It might be the most worldly sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad if it is. The most worldly sandwich. You know, because I'll, uh, I'll go into a 7-Eleven and I'll look at their... Their selection, their fresh selection in the refrigerated section of 7-Eleven. And I'll see that egg salad sandwich. And every time I see it, I think people buy these or else they wouldn't put them on the shelves. That's egg salad I would not trust <laughs> at all. Not from well, 7-Eleven. Because it's from 7-Eleven. Who knows? But you'll, you'll, you'll eat, a, you'll eat a, uh, a, a a roller. You'll eat a... Oh, like a taquito kind of a... Yeah, whatever the hell those tornadoes, are called. Tornadoes, that's what they're called. Um, I think that's the AMPM variety, but... Okay. In college, I did. I don't think... I can't remember the last time I went to 7-Eleven and ate one of those. I, I would not eat that to these days. I wouldn't eat anything from 7-Eleven that was quote-unquote fresh or came <laughs> off one of their grills. If I'm buying food at 7-Eleven, it's like peanuts or like... I feel you. Chips. Drinks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Now you put a Jose LA in front of me. I'll eat the whole box. I, I got no shame there. I trust Jose. The taquitos, Jose Ole. You've never had those? No, I'm I'm actually Mexican now. <laughs> well, these are for white people that want to try like Mexican food that it's not too far, and they're delicious. Let me tell you, Jose Ole. Oh yes, I've had some good memories with those guys. You know, if I were a more uptight man, I might say that's racist. You think so? Jose Ole, and their taquitos. I, I guess. I don't know. Probably, my guess would be started by a Mexican person, a Mexican entrepreneur. At this point, they would have been canceled, I would think, if not. Maybe. Maybe. I, yeah, because a, a Mexican person is definitely somebody who's willing to like sell out his culture to make money off the white man. 100%. That's not what I was saying at all, Frank. Hold on now. You're trying to get me canceled? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you you're correct <laughs> in your assertion. You know, Deli Mex. I know Deli Mex is, they, they, make, they make like the taquitos you see in... Costco or Ralph's or whatever, they're they're pretty well known. Okay. They're right here by the border, maybe three miles, four miles from the actual US Mexican border. That's about as whitewashed a Mexican food as you can get. And they make all of their product right there. Probably too expensive to import taquitos from actually Mexico. So let's just make them on the border. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Uh let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. 
<laughs> Did you know about this, dude? This was just explained oh, to me yeah. a few days ago. Was it really? I, I, yeah, I didn't oh, know. Yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was right when that first video that first video came out. Here's the whole my my thing about this whole let's go Brandon fiasco mm-hmm. is I have to know from that poor reporter woman if she really thought they were saying let's go Brandon or if she was just trying to like save face on air. Right. I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> But if she knew what they were saying and then tried to cover it up saying, let's go, Brandon, this is all on her. And she takes 100% responsibility for all of it. <laughs> well, have you seen what's going on with Southwest now, though, this pilot? I have. And and I, I heard, have you heard the audio? No, I haven't. I haven't. I uh, see. When you hear the audio, he, he, he could be saying, let's go, Braves. That's what I heard. Yeah. He could be saying anything. It's like, it's very, it's very mumbled and it's clear up until the end. And he okay. just goes, let's go, Brandon. It just, that's exactly what it sounds like. It just made me think though, like if this was perhaps three years ago, two years ago, and a Southwest Airlines pilot said, fuck Donald Trump, would we see the backlash that this guy's getting? Are you kidding me? They'd be a hero. They'd be on fucking CNN the next day. You know what I mean? CNN's torching this person, dude. Absolutely. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it as super offensive. YG made a song that's literally called fuck Donald Trump. (laughs) Not canceled or anything. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't care that he made that song. I don't care that people are out here uh, screaming "Let's go, Brandon!" But don't go clutching your pearls and t- telling me that it's like some freaking it's it's some sin to go and use COVID words to disgrace a president. I mean, come on. After the last four years that you, we, right. you lived through, you're going to say that? Yeah. This is actually funny. I think this is something that like everybody could get behind because it's funny. It's cloaked. I mean, it literally means fuck Joe Biden, but, but, but what's, but what's worse than that is you don't get, let's go Brandon. If you don't get full stadiums in the sec and the ACC and the big 12 during a commercial break, yelling at the top of their lungs, fuck Joe Biden. I didn't even know that that happened, dude. That's the whole trend. When wow. football season started and these stadiums started to fill up, there were chants of fuck Joe Biden everywhere. And inevitably, it made it to this NASCAR race. They were yelling it during this interview. The reporter was interviewing the winner, whose name was Brandon Wallace. I don't think that's his last name. Sounds like a race car driver, though. Yeah, right. And as they're as they're as she's interviewing this the winner of this race, everybody's yelling "fuck Joe Biden," and she's trying to cover it up, saying, "You can hear the crowd chanting, let's go, Brandon." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. but yeah, I've been seeing yard signs and everything all around here now. It's funny. People oh, really? This huge "Let's go, Brandon!" I'm let's like, go, Brandon. I asked Sarah, I'm like, what does that mean? She goes, "You don't even know." <laughs> and she explained it to me. I'm like, "That's fucking hilarious, dude! It's so funny! It's so funny!" <laughs> hey, uh, totally unrelated, but uh, you don't have Henry Ruggs on your fantasy football team, do you? Funny enough, I had to drop somebody today to pick up a running back, mm. and he was like the least worst option i still wanted to keep him and then an hour later i hear the story about him getting charged in a, a for dy in a, in a death yeah it was a it, it, did he hit somebody did he hit a car dude he fucked up a toyota rav4 um which are pretty like good cars as far as yeah. like durability and, and crashing goes and when the police got on the scene they were they were it was on totally on fire person was dead inside and if you look up these pictures adam Schefter posted them they're all over the internet now um it's a he smacked this person I, he had to been going so goddamn fast Dang. uh both the cars it was a rav4 and i think he was driving like a uh 
Corvette or some kind of some kind of Chevy and wow. destroyed it. And he's barely injured, which is how it always goes. The dirt bags that are drunk and fucked up never get hurt. This happened a, a while ago, didn't it? No, this happened this morning at like three a.m. Oh, 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 snap! Okay, yeah. I got the notification. I I just thought that it was uh, like a, a charge stemming from an incident that happened a while ago. But you're saying this happened today? From as I understand it, yeah, that's that's what I'm I'm hearing. It, like police responded to the crime, the scene at like three thirty or something this morning. Oh fuck! You, you might be thinking of Andy Reid's son who killed someone right before the Super Bowl in like a real similar fashion last year. Do remember that? Holy smokes, dude! And Josh, oh no, this is yeah. And on January fourth, Raiders Pro Bowl running back Josh Jacobs was involved in a single car accident and arrested for a DUI after a cr- crash near the McCarran Airport um, at like four forty a.m. But so, I, dude, I mean, who would have thought that moving a team to Las Vegas could you know lead to your star players driving drunk late at night? Ah, man, what a wild proposition! <laughs> fucking dumb. Do not drive drunk. Uber is a fucking thing now. Like, I don't understand why the fuck you would do that, man. Especially in the fucking Corvette at three in the... Like, what are you doing? I'm just reading up on it right now. They don't really say anything crazy. They just said he showed signs of impairment. Yeah. Hmm. But charged with DUI resulting in death. So he's... I mean, dude, you look at these pictures, it's going to be kind of hard to not be charged with this. Fuck. Yeah. That shit's crazy, man. Mm, yep, yep. Did yep, you have yep. him? I did not. No, I never draft Raiders, man. It's just a principle. It's it's a uh, it's a rule Probably of mine. Kind of like I try to not draft Lions, or I'll draft a Lion and keep them on the bench just for solidarity. But you know what you're getting into there. Oh man. Well, that sucks, dude. It sucks somebody's dead, and it just sucks yeah. that like it's a tricky thing, man. This driving while drunk. I mean, it's not tricky because we all know not to do it, or we all know that it's not a great thing to do. For all of us, I think we like feel like the the limit is different. And who knows how drunk this guy was? And who knows how drunk if it even like played a part in it. But I know I know that the one thing that comes to my mind and, and it, because it's come to because it's come to my mind also in in in, in past experiences is like, mm, yeah, maybe I've had a few, but I'm not like blocked out or nothing. I'm not hammer drunk. I mean, I can definitely drive. You know what I'm saying like I wonder if he had that conversation with himself before he got behind the wheel. I feel like if you're having that conversation with yourself, you probably shouldn't drive anyway. Well, that, yeah, that's a great rule of thumb. You know, like you hear too many of these stories and it's always the people that were not at fault who die. So, you know, I mean, I, I can't say I've never done it in the recent past. Definitely not. But like, you know, in my in my college days, for sure. Um, and I watched too many friends get DUIs, man. I, fortunately, mm-hmm. no one I've ever known has killed anybody. But I mean, I've, I've watched damn near almost every friend I have in Toledo get DUIs, man. And it's it's like... It's yeah. just not worth it, man. It's 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 a bunch of money, and, and for what to save ten, right. fifteen bucks on, that you could have spent on an Uber, right? You know, I I just don't I don't get it. How people yeah, still sad. do it? Yeah, it's sad. I'm just thinking, like, trying to put myself in in this guy's head. You know, like you're super famous ex national champion football player who's now playing in the league, and you're in Vegas. I'm just thinking he's got to feel invincible. He's got to feel untouchable. Yeah, sure. You know. That's the first thing that I thought of was like, you know, that feeling of invincibility, like not like, not that, oh, it won't happen to me, but like almost like it can't happen to me. Like I'm Henry Ruggs, you know, like, like I've got it all going for me. Not anymore. Now you're going to probably do some jail time for murder. So. Certainly not. Our group chat. <laughs> Someone just texted our group chat about Mr. Ruggs. That's funny. Look at that breaking news. Jesus. Mm. Friendship news hour. Come and get it. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> 
Have you been hearing at all what's going on in um, Scotland? No, golf? What's what's yeah, happening? I, I, what else golf, happens there? I, I wish it was a, a, a bit um, more fun of a subject. And this might be a fun subject for you if this is something that tickles your pickle, but it's the, uh, it's the uh, COP26 or the... Um, Conference of the Parties? Yeah, that's what it is. Conference of the Parties. It's some conference that's run by the United Nations. United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. And uh, it's brought all the world leaders, save for China and Russia, uh, to Scotland in Glasgow to, to talk shop about climate policy, global climate policy. Um, from what I can tell, the most significant policy that's come through this has been a um agreement to reduce reduce methane emissions okay so methane i I think if i'm speaking correctly here methane is like the worst of the carbon greenhouse gases and isn't that like main uh, like a huge factor is like from like cow shit and like manure from animals correct okay yeah the u.s had announced uh this um like this expansion on, on these rules to limit methane emissions, to be like the global leader in that, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's great all for it. I did see one of the leaders was, uh, maybe catching a couple Z's taking a, a little nap during this conference though. Yeah. You know, it seems Brandon sent that video. <laughs> yes. Brandon's a sleepy fella. Um, <laughs> in his defense, we do not know. By the way, we're talking about Joe Biden falling asleep at this conference because he was dozing off. And it could be because he is an old senile man, which is a fact. But it also <laughs> might be because if you've ever been to anything like this and you've had lunch and then you've had to sit down right after lunch and listen to someone speak, trying not to fall asleep is like putting gummy bears in front of a two-year-old and telling them not to eat the gummy bears. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. You're going to fall asleep. I've done it and I am not an old senile man. So... We don't know what happened there, but, um, I guess we also, these, these countries that are there, um, agreed to end deforestation by 2030, hmm. save for, uh, I don't know, us, China and Brazil. Interesting. Brazil being like the, the most egregious offender there of de- deforestation, but that's interesting. How do we make paper then? That's like, that's a big, like deforestation serves a lot of different things for lumber purposes, paper purposes. I agree. I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there's like regulation there that you don't, you only pick a certain amount of trees. I'm not sure. But I mean, when you're talking about renewable sources of material, I mean, wood is the most renewable. Yeah. I think, right. Like, I mean, like you grow trees. We, I think we've shown that we're pretty damn good at growing cheese, but you know, I want to, I want to, I'm going to bring up something here just for context. I'm, I'm not here to tell you you're right, wrong, or, or indifferent about how you feel and towards climate change. And I'm certainly not a a denier of the fact that our, our world is warming up. That is certainly a fact, but we make a lot of predictions. We make a lot of assertions. For example, this pledge to end deforestation. I mean, immediately, Al, you, you saw the, the peril in it. Like, yeah, that's cool. But what does it mean? Right? Like, what are we actually doing? Um, in 1970, there was a uh, green holy day that was implemented we now know this as earth day here are some predictions from this earth day in 1970 harvard biologist harvard biologist george wald estimated that civilization will end within 15 or 30 years 
unless immediate action is taken against problems facing mankind. We are in an environmental crisis which threatens the survival of this nation and of the world as a suitable place for human habitation, wrote Washington University biologist Barry Commoner. The first day after the first Earth Day, the New York Times editorial page warned that man must stop pollution and conserve his resources not merely to enhance existence, but to save the race from intolerable deterioration and possible extinction. Population will inevitably and completely outstrip whatever small increases in food supply we make, Paul Elric confidently declared in the 1970 uh, April issue of Matamoiselle. The death rate will increase until at least 100 to 200 million people per year will be starving to death during the next 10 years. We're talking in 1970. Most of the people who are going to die in the greatest cataclysm of the history of man have already been born, wrote Paul Eirich again in a 1969 essay titled Eco-Catastrophe. Uh, Eirich sketched out his most alarmist scenario for the 1970 Earth Day in issue of The Progressive, assuring readers that between 1980 and 1989, some 4 billion people, including 65 million Americans, would perish in the great die-off. It is already too late to avoid mass starvation, declared Dennis Hayes, the chief organizer of Earth Day in the spring of 1970 issue of The Living Wilderness. Peter Gunter, a North Texas State University professor, wrote in 1970, demographers agree old, almost unanimously on the following grim timetable. By 1975, widespread famines will begin in India. These will spread by 1990 to include all of India, Pakistan, China, and the Near East Africa. By the year 2000, or conceivably sooner, South and Central America will exist under famine conditions. By the year 2000, 30 years from now, the entire world, with the exception of Western Europe, North America, and Australia, will be in famine. And this goes on and on and on and on. And the only reason I bring this up is to tell you that we are wrong at a spectacular rate, almost always, in our predictions, particularly in something as finicky as climate change. The distinction I make in climate change and the distinction I'll always make in climate change is that it's not about whether the world is warming up, which is true. It's not about whether man-made carbon emissions are causing this warming. That has a little bit more, it's a little bit fuzzier, but I'll even grant that. The distinction lies in whether we have any ability to conceivably make a difference in our climate. That, to anybody's best knowledge, is an impossibility. And I think these predictions that we've seen in the 1970s, the predictions that we saw in 2006 when we watched An in Inconvenient Truth with Al Gore, and by now, I think Florida... And parts of California should have been underwater. Totally submerged, yeah. And, uh, you know, th these predictions, do they highlight an issue that needs to be addressed? Absolutely. But does it require a whole lot more humility in all of us in general to understand the beast that we're dealing with? I think so also, because you end up with these wild, ridiculous claims that never come to fruition. And we're all running around thinking that, just by living, we're killing the planet. I think we all feel that way. I know, I know I, I do sometimes, Al, I'm sure you do when you participate in whatever faction of this economy that pollutes the air or pollutes the ocean or one way or another, you know, I, I'm sure you feel a, a certain amount of guilt. Shit. Even just throwing gum out the window of my car, I feel a little bit of guilt, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like right. And, and you know, I, that isn't to say that taking steps towards a, a, a cleaner air or cleaner atmosphere or cleaner planet aren't good things. Right. At all. 
because they're, they certainly are. And to that point, I think we should also look at what we've done since we've been able to recognize that our existence in an industrial capacity in, on this world has a net negative effect on this world. And we have done a tremendous amount of good, and particularly here in California. Um, and and that, that should, I don't think that should go without, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't just sit here and, and pat ourselves on the back, but do you think it's more like scare tactics to try to like control a narrative and like control funding to different programs and, and things of that nature? Or do you think it's, it's more like, Hey, I think this actually could happen. And then we're just wrong. I mean, I think initially the, like if you, if you're like Al Gore, for example, and you see these data sets and you, you're, you're talking to people who are like, Hey, listen, worst case scenario is not good. It's like kind of like, like existential threat, meaning it, it is a threat to our existence on this planet. So I'm sure there was like a, a, a pretty genuine, like call to action. Like, Hey, I, I you know, I, I feel like I can do something about this. Let's see what we can do to, to raise awareness. And then it just kind of becomes, takes a life, a life of its own. And then it yeah. becomes an industry. And, and to me, when it becomes an industry, that's when it becomes something that's like, all right, well, it's probably like, like for, for example, recycling, recycling is one of the worst industries for the planet. Yeah. I mean, just like on, on net, it's terrible, terrible for the planet and it's an industry. So it's set up for money and all these people that are in Scotland right now, would I have them fly commercial as the, the head of their state to Glasgow for this? No, but that doesn't excuse the fact that they're all there on private planes and that they're all taking cars separately in motorcades and you know being the head of a state is, is like an incredibly has a, a terrible carbon footprint on the planet it's just it's just a, a thing that grew to be a life of its own and it's so emotionally charged like you i know if i cut when i cut clips of this and I, if i do it in a way that that doesn't like provide both sides of the story or any context whatsoever and it just says that um, we were wrong about our climate predictions and that's it. There's going to be a lot of people out there who, if, if here, if they hear that they're going to freak out because yeah. to, to a lot of people, this subject it, it is life or death that, and they believe that that's what it is to me. I think we could do a lot of good with our time. And I don't believe that attempting to manipulate our climate is a great use of our time. I think it's a terrible use of our time and resources and money. We could do better. Agreed. Well, some of those resources are going to an international effort that I'm very excited about. As you know, I am a big fan of space, the great unknown. The last frontier, maybe? The last frontier, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, some phrase that's cool and, and mysterious. But yeah, so NASA is preparing to launch the most powerful space telescope ever. It is called the James Webb Space Telescope, and it's 100 times more powerful than its predecessor, the Hubble Space Telescope, which most are familiar with. We've seen tons of amazing pictures. Did you say 100 uh, times more? That's what they say. Wow. I, am. I remember. I remember. You know where I first saw pictures of the space, uh, Hubble Space Telescope? Where? In my Old Testament class in high school. Really? Yeah. I forget. I think our teacher was trying to make a point against like celestial, celestial readings, like Zodiac and shit like that. Oh, uh, okay. 
but yeah, I remember seeing pictures of the Hubble t- Space Telescope, and I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. What? That's when I understood how vast the universe actually was. Humongous. And the Zodiac stuff. It's so funny because like that is our perspective from where we are. Anywhere else in the galaxy, that's a totally different looking, const- like constellations and all that shit are different. So it's like, right. I've never bought into any of that. I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like for it to be further explained, but I, I think there's a lot of coincidence in, in those readings. But anyway, that's a different story. This new t- telescope will be capable of capturing extremely faint infrared light from the very first galaxies at the edge of our universe. Since our universe is ever expanding, we do not know very much about these distant far out galaxies. So it's, it's really cool. It's going to give us some new insight. It will be able to study planets around other stars in our own galaxy and even be able to examine their atmospheres for telltale signs of life. Uh, by gathering infrared light in, the telescope will be able to search the atmosphere of many of these exoplanets for circumstantial evidence of extraterrestrial life, such as the presence of oxygen, carbon dioxide, and methane. Uh, one planetary system that's top of their list, it's about 40 light years away. Uh, their sun is called TRAPPIST-1, and it's orbited by seven Earth-sized planets, three of which orbit in the zone uh, where temperatures could be mild enough for liquid water to form and, you know, therefore life. So um, very, very, very cool. This telescope was originally scheduled to launch in 2010 and cost $1 billion. And the uh, Webb telescope is a joint venture among U.S., European and Canadian space agencies. Fucking Canadians. <laughs> it took 10,000 people to construct. Like I said, was supposed to launch in 2010. This project experienced a vast sequence of delays and costs ballooned to $10 billion over the course of 11-year delay. So not as easy as they originally thought to make, but it is finally finished. And uh, it was shipped to French Guiana in South America, where it will be fitted onto a rocket and blasted into outer space on December the 18th. Um, as long as all goes according to plan, Webb will reach its final destination in one month, about a million miles from Earth, and be able to send back images of stars formed just 250 million years after the Big Bang. That sounds like a long time ago, but for reference, our own sun only formed 9 billion years after the Big Bang. So we are going to be able to see stars from 250 million years after the Big Bang, which is much, 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 much older than our current sun, which is 9 billion years. So that's, that's, that's cool. I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe you. I'm not making the claims. I'm just telling you what the scientists are saying. So how, do, how do you know? How do you know? Well, because our, our universe is ever expanding. So the farther away it is, the earlier it was, like created from the initial bang. That's why those stars would be the oldest. I'm sure there's a way that, it, it's, that, that they figured it out. And I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong. It just, it doesn't compute in my stupid head. Sure. Well, these guys are much smarter than us, Frank. They made a telescope then go a million miles from Earth. So mm. how it works is that it relies on a 20-foot mirror made of ultra-lightweight beryllium chiseled into 18 hexagonal segments and coated with gold. Unlike most telescopes, which house a mirror or lens within a tube to block out light, Webb's mirror will be exposed to open space relying on five parasol-like sheets of aluminum coated plastic, each as thin as notebook paper and as big as a tennis court, which will block out light and heat from the sun, moon, and earth. How it's different from Hubble, its predecessor, or just a little background on Hubble. It was launched in 1990 and has helped astrophysicists better determine the age of the universe, nature of black holes, and number of galaxies. Um, It also led to the discovery 
that thanks to dark energy, the universe is expanding. So that's how we figured it out with Hubble. We watched it ever expand. But that's where Webb comes in. By the time light from a 13 billion year old star reaches Earth, the expansion of the universe has stretched the light's wavelength into the infrared spectrum, kind of similar to how like a siren's pitch will drop as an ambulance speeds away. For that reason, only an infrared telescope is capable of accurately looking this far and getting accurate data. Webb uses mirrors that capture six times more light than Hubble and have cameras that are 15 times wider view. So Hubble is only 340 miles away from Earth. Webb will be about a million miles away from Earth. To put that in perspective, it's like four times the distance that the moon is from the Earth. So this thing's going to be way the fuck out there. When do we expect to get pictures? Well, so right away. They often refer to space telescopes as like time machines because they're collecting light emitted billions of years ago in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, as it travels through space and once it gets to its final destination, it'll be able to show us the moon as it was 1.3 seconds ago, Jupiter as it was 40 minutes ago, and Andromeda, which is like the nearest galaxy to ours, as it was 2.5 million years ago, which is insane. Basically, like once it, it ships out on December 18th, it should hopefully by the end of January be able to be, you know give us images as it's sitting still. I, I'm not really sure if it's going to be able to take images as it's floating out there. Maybe it will. But what they say is that Webb will be vital for studying the end of the Dark Ages, which is the period of time between the Big Bang and the formation of stars. Uh, that could reveal insights about the dark matter that makes up 80% of our universe and like the mass of our universe. It can see about 150 million years farther than the Hubble ever could and will provide glimpses of the formation of the very first stars, solar systems, and galaxies, we will be able to see the edge of our observable universe. Very exciting stuff. I'm As a space junkie, I'm really pumped about this. I cannot wait to see what kind of pictures we get back. Well, for $10 billion, I want to see Marvin the Martian's butthole. <laughs> I want a picture of it on my desktop. Isn't that cool, though, that the, a telescope can show you like atmospheres of exoplanets... 40 light years away like that's insane yeah it it really does hurt my head to think about um because it's just such a like it's such a vast expanse sure what was somebody uh, somebody said said this analogy it might have been astrophysicists for dummies they were he was saying that like if you were like to drop a tennis ball and it comes back up to you like you have that tennis ball there but like let's say like you're hovering above earth, right? And you dropped a tennis ball that had the ability to like reach you, depending on where you're at, like that tennis ball will then have traveled, like it could have traveled like a quarter way around the earth's rotation. You know what I'm saying? Like he was just trying to like provide like the scope of planets and how like minuscule we are sure. on earth as little earthlings. I don't know if mm -hmm. that analogy made sense or not, but when I start thinking about anything that is beyond our little sol solar system, just fucking yeah it's like my mind just goes into a puddle and i have to like because like if i can't I, I hear you talking and i know what you're saying is correct but it just doesn't make sense because i'm an idiot so i hear this and i'm just like it's just like my brain grinds to a halt it's like but no. like okay what separates this from like someone talking to you about god because this is like provable this is science that's provable and demonstrable right. well, yeah because i understand like the physics of light like the light mm -hmm. that we see from a star could possibly like star right now, if we if we were privy to it right now, could be burnt out. Correct. But it's so far away from us that the light traveling to us at the speed of light traveling to our eyes mm -hmm. is still coming. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty million years later, it's still on its way. 
And perhaps one day that light will flicker out like that, that portion to me makes sense. But when you like start talking about being able to go and then become a purveyor of that in into it, that's just to me, just outrageous. It's outrageous. And and like I said, I a hundred percent believe it's true. Obviously it's true. We're spending $10 billion on it to, to do it. It's just, you know, it hurts my head to think about, but I am very excited to see the pictures because like I said, when I, when you saw the pictures of, of the Hubble and if you haven't take a look, just Google them. I mean, it's incredible. Absolutely insane. And think about like how much better cameras are now than they were in the nineties. Exactly. Like we're going to have so much more high res pictures of like Jupiter and Saturn and all these things like relatively close to us, mm-hmm. let alone atmospheric data from light years away. Like it's, it's wild. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. I've got a bone cone just thinking about it, reading about it. I saw this yesterday. <laughs> I honestly didn't know that this was going down, but I'm very very excited. So hopefully come end of January, we have some uh, stunning pictures to talk about. Yeah, I didn't know about this either. I had no idea that we were working on another uh, telescope. So that's pretty cool. My guess would be since it got delayed 11 years and cost $10 billion more, (laughs) that they're maybe a little uh, quiet to to push it out, I guess, as much (laughs) or to like advertise it. I don't know. Maybe there's some shame involved because that's a big delay. That's a times 10 cost. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, well, shit, man. If you if you look at the uh, that that's almost a miracle. If you look at like the California bullet train, yeah, um, and the billions of dollars, I'm almost positive it's like on par with that really? amount of money. Hmm. Wow, what's that going to be? That's going to be from, like Sacramento it's down it's to gonna be San Diego. It's not oh, going to no? be anything. There's oh. literally nothing. Like just a failed project. Um, I take that back. It's only a billion. <laughs> only. Um, and it's supposed to go from Fresno to, I forget, like it's, it's like a completely inconsequential portion of California. It's all on the, it's all on the, uh, the inland portion of California. Mm. It's not, it's like, it's like, I guess the equivalent of LA to San Francisco, but then you still have to take like an hour or two bus ride or train ride or car ride, whatever, to get to the actual cities. In any case, I mean, it's, it's probably a miracle that they got it off the ground in the first place. Wasn't Elon Musk looking into like doing underground like traffic tunnels too? Yeah. That's is that happening company. still? Um, I think so. Is it? Okay. I, I know they had like some prototype. You guys are far ahead of so many people, man. It's crazy. Like you don't hear that shit in so many other states and you guys are like environmental things, social things, transportation. Like you guys are just like all about doing shit. Some good, some bad. We are all, all about doing shit. It's cool. It's cool to a point. I mean, so like you were talking earlier about, uh, like, like what do you think it was like for in- environmentalists to to have gotten to this point that we are right now in like our our push for for curbing climate change. So like that climate change itself has now given power over to the climate uh, sectors of our government. So for example, California Air Resources Board. I, I, you, I know you've heard me talk about them. We call them CARB here. Mm-hmm. They are just about the most powerful um, organization in our government because they determine what happens from a pollution standpoint. So, I mean, that's how we're run, right? Like that with all of that. And then like now, obviously, like with racial inequities and gender inequities and, and all of that. I mean, that that's that is how California is run. That's how we become the most progressive state and, and being able to do all these, quote unquote, do all these good things. But but at, at, at on one hand, while that's cool, on the other hand, we have a terrible track record of actually getting things done. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it is Fresno. It was, it's starting in Fresno and then it's going to go to, 
and I was just in Fresno, California, and God bless you if you are, are listening to this from Fresno, California, but Fresno, California sucks. It's terrible. And I mean, it's a cool, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But it's Fresno, California. There's like nothing there. Why you would choose to put a bullet train there makes mm. zero sense to me. It's all farmland. Nobody's traveling up and down the coast or up and down California to make any of this work. This doesn't make sense. Like you're saying, like you still would have to take a bus an hour or whatever. It's like, what is, what's the point? You could take a flight quicker than that from Sacramento to LA or something. Like it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know how fast a bullet train is going to go. Maybe it's like ridiculously quick and then it's an hour bus ride isn't that much, but it kind of seems like if you're building the train, you shouldn't need the bus to okay, so get you there. Yeah, it's dumb. And so I guess there was supposed to be a, 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 an initial 171 mile line from Merced, California to Bakersfield, California. The Grapevine. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard about the Grapevine? Mm-hmm. It's the Central Valley, California. It's actually where everyone's food comes from. But it's nothing. Dude, nothing's there. Like why? The, the, the decision to put it where it's at aside like that aside we're, we're up to a billion dollars and we've seen nothing i'm looking at this picture right now and it looks like maybe a mile stretch of this thing oh my god done and it's just like a concrete bridge in the middle of nowhere that is is open on both ends so stupid so stupid taxpayer money all taxpayer money mm, and and wow. and federal grants to make it happen too and, and the reason this stuff, go, and it, and I know this because of my, you know, my experience doing business in California, anytime that you want to do something that is permanent or semi-permanent, you, you have to get approval from all these different agencies. You have to, you know, uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife will get involved for whatever reason. Um, the California Air Resources Board, the Water Authority for groundwater. Uh, and everybody's got to take their little cut too, mm-hmm. right? So while well, right. I'm getting involved, I got to get paid here and I have to get paid here and I have to get paid here and you have to pay me here. <laughs> you need my permit here. And then if you're in another jurisdiction of of a city or a county, that person's inspector has to sign. And it's just like, it gets, it gets very convoluted and very frustrating which is why you see a lot of businesses run out of California in the first, in the first place. So to get something like this done in California, I mean, you, you could have chosen any other place in America and it would have been so much easier. Yeah. Ugh, I don't, I don't understand it. Maybe it's just, they don't want to be trying to run a bullet train through LA and that kind of construction would just fuck up everything. I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. But that's but see, to me, I don't know that that's the kind of thing that you have to be able to get done. Yeah. If you're if you're serious about 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 carbon emissions, if you're serious about a, a cleaner California, then what you will do is the most prudent thing in in terms of transportation. If you've ever been to Southern California, you know that public transportation just does not exist. It just doesn't. I mean, we don't. I mean, we have a trolley here in San Diego. Never use it. I was ever. shocked, bro. When I went to LA for the first time, I was shocked. For as big of a city as it is, and I've been to New York. I live in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You can get anywhere you need to go with public oh, transit. Yeah. Super easy. Super cheap. And LA was garbage. <laughs> the Bay Area has done a tremendous job with with public transportation. Oh, the Bar, really? the Bay Area Rapid Transit, oh. it goes under the Bay. It goes everywhere, dude. Wow! It goes from Berkeley that. to San Francisco to the Peninsula, and under the Bay to Oakland and everywhere. It's tremendous. Hmm. I mean, when I I remember one time I flew into Oakland. If you, if you don't know, Oakland is just mere miles from San Francisco. It's right across the Bay. It's right there, and then two big cities. And I drove, I flew into Oakland and I took the BART to San Francisco. It took me like 35, 40 minutes when, in a car. It probably would have taken me like 10, 15 minutes less, but it was super easy. Just sit there on the BART, wait to get there. San Diego, 
Yeah, good luck. I mean, if you're taking the trolley, the only places it takes you is like coastal ghetto to inland ghetto. <laughs> I mean, like literally, <laughs> that's what it does. It's like great. I guess you do that for like for like low income transit or whatever. But you know, if you're if like you're really trying to get cars off the road, then what you would do is you would do the most prudent thing possible. There would be like some short term pain, but the gain payout would be tremendous. What California is trying to do now, particularly in Southern California, is they're it's what it, it, they've they've dubbed it the road diet, where they literally systematically take away parking spaces from communities um, piece by piece. So it's happened here in San Diego, all over the place. Thirtieth Street and North Park. There's tons of little businesses that run down there. They took all the parking away, and what did they do? They created a bike lane. They had hearings for this stuff. And the people who were in charge of creating this project and getting it pushed through were asked how many people right now currently ride bikes in San Diego County that would benefit from this. And they could not come up with a number, which is astonishing to me. If you're going to do that, you, you have to have a number. They had nothing. So we took away all these parking places in, and in lieu, we put in a bike lane where we don't know how many people are going to use it. And all the businesses that are up and down that that stretch of road are now out of, out of, uh, parking for their customers. Mm-hmm. Just, it blows my mind. And, but we're not doing anything to help with the overall transportation of, of, uh, Southern California. So it makes no sense to me. Nothing that we do in California ever makes sense. Did Never. you see kind of loosely related, but did you see yesterday on Twitter, Elon Musk was talking, uh, there was like some, some article, I think it was CNN posted it. And it was like basically for six billion dollars you could mm. cure yeah. uh, world hunger. Yeah. And I think it said something like last year the World Health or whoever controls this like had eight billion dollars and whatever. And they were CNN was basically calling on Elon Musk like, hey, you got this money, you could solve world hunger. And he he said, okay, prove to me that with six billion dollars we could solve world hunger. Respond in this thread and show me how it would be spent. And like publicly, you know, publicly demonstrate that and crickets, no answer at all. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, this money's not going towards world hunger. It's going to private, you know, private interest things. Also, maybe some world hunger stuff, but definitely not all. You know, I I always thought that was hilarious to watch him call. Oh, yeah. It's so funny, dude, because (laughs) everybody loves to play with everybody else's money. Sure. Everyone loves to be like, oh, well, he's got this much money. If he just gave away this much, we we could end world hunger. Okay. How? You show me how. He even, dude, he was like, literally, he's like, show me how you can do it. Use open source accounting so that we could proofread it and make sure that everybody's in agreement with it. And I will sell $6 billion of, of Tesla share to make it happen. Which is like 5% of his net worth. Like, it's nothing to him. <laughs> but you want to know, you want to make sure your money's going where it's supposed to be going. Yeah. But yeah, they, crickets. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, I can't tell you how many of these memes I've seen about him and, uh, 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 Jeff Bezos or, or or any super famous billionaire, like nothing, nothing that you say can be can be actuated in real life the way that you say it. But I mean, like to their point, six billion dollars of Tesla shares right now towards world hunger would be like probably like double the equivalent of that put into climate change. Because you can mm-hmm. you can actually do things that feed people 
for more than one day, right? Not just giving food, but like giving the ability to create food to a community so they can be self-sufficient. That is something that is, can be actualized and you know that you can do it. And, you know, frankly, we cut down famine and, you know, by, by boatloads um, over the past like 50, 60 years. So even that, I, I wish somebody would take him up on that offer or even like, hey, I'll meet you in the middle, call it 3 billion and we can do 30% of what we said we can do. Right. Or whatever, you know? But yeah, I thought that was hilarious because we, I, 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 I see it all the time. Here's this billionaire's money. And that goes into what we were talking about last week with, with Brian about, um, about uh, non-realized capital gains tax. Like our government literally wants to tax us on money that we have not gotten yet and may not get yet. I didn't know about that. That's craziness. Dude, it's the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I, it, but, but unfortunately, I'm the voice that's sticking up for the, for the, the billionaire, for, for the 1%, because that's where it's going to go, right? And, and, and just, just so long as it's going to them, we can all sign off on it. But there's no way that you could promise that that's where it's going to stop. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, I mean, just our, like societally, the way we're turning, where we just love to just look at the richest and we look at the richest among us and then we equate their wealth with our nation and then that becomes our wealth we're the wealthiest nation because of these examples so let's tax the shit out of them and give the money to the government because they can do it but can they uh the answer is no (laughs) the answer is absolutely not um anything else for us before we get out of here no man i think we're up against it well did you drink coffee today frank i did was a gun barrel coffee it was that's a treat all by itself but when you can drink amazing delicioso coffee and help American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, is proud to donate $1 from every item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our country. Uh, They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground and single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 to save 10% at checkout when you buy the products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee damn good cause tremendous um go ahead and reach out to us uh if you'd like on twitter you can find us at friendship nh on tiktok and instagram you can find us at friendship news hour same handle both socials and you can send us an email uh bummerdude.media at gmail.com that's bummerdude.media at gmail.com and we will see you next time 